0: Welcome, this is William Evans, and you are listening to the third in a series of Living World Conversations with Art Good Times. Art is accomplished at evoking a healthy balance and seeing the big picture. And building on these skills and respectively communicating from his panoramic perspective, art is able to move with people as they find their way into healing relationships. In a sense, Art has learned about the power to heal. Welcome again, Art.
1: Thank you, Will. Glad to be on your show.
0: Would you share with us your poem, After Li Po?
1: You betcha. It's a a translation I made from the Chinese. uh, And there are many translations, but this is a little bit different perspective, so I'm calling it After Li Po. The birds... Have long lifted up as a flock and flown. Only a lonely cloud floats by. The two of us, lost in our looking, the mountain and I.
0: Well, I think that translation gives us some insight into the, uh, the amazing journey you've had as you grew from your Italian heritage into an activist
1: yeah it really reflects too a lot of uh, what I learned from uh, the wise woman elder here in the San Juan mountains Dolores La Chapelle uh, before she passed she she really tried to get us to understand our connection to the natural world and uh, in 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 reviewing the Chinese hermit poets like Libo and Lipo and all these other uh, famous uh, poets from the uh, the other countries, the, 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 our enemy right now, supposedly. Um, when I started reviewing that, I found that, and, and Dolores noted this, that there was a real deep connection between the natural world and the Chinese civilization. They, they, they functioned in a way uh, more in consort with the natural world than we've been able to do with our Western um, industrialization.
0: Yeah. After you left the seminary, you had a series of events in your life where your spirit began to heal and you came to appreciate your authentic identity and ultimately how to use your power in a good way.
1: Well, yes, I was, I, I was kind of shaped and formed and pushed towards uh, the Roman Catholic priesthood as a young man. And uh, being the oldest, I tried to... Uh, uh, Follow the kind of visions of my parents. And they were both uh, my mother was a convert, my dad was a traditional Italian Catholic, Knights of Columbus, uh, altar boy director, all of those things. And so I I followed in that, which I thought was a spiritual path, but seven years in the seminary taught me there was more about power than it really was about spirit, at least in the organization I was in. And um, and, and there was a lot of dysfunction and a lot of uh, a, a lot of twisting that went on with the uh, religious education I had, but it did set me on a spiritual path. So that when I left, and I I spent a year as a Vista volunteer on the Crow Indian Reservation, I came into contact with indigenous wisdom and indigenous uh, spirit, and uh, that was a very powerful lesson for me.
0: And then in 1980, you went to the American Indian Survival Gathering in the Black Hills, which, in your words, uh, was a wild eye opener.
1: <laughs> well, it was. I, uh, I when I when I I went back uh, to California after leaving the seminary in, uh, from Montana, where I was uh, stationed as a vista, and and it was the summer of love, and so I became entranced with the. Um, the whole hippie revolution. I had been uh, people called me a beatnik uh, in in the old days because I I sort of uh, was gravitating towards uh, alternatives, and uh, and then we the hippie movement kind of took over, and people became uh, much wilder because of the uh, plant and, and um, fungal alloys allies that we used to uh, kind of
0: explore
1: our world and our psyches. So yeah, it was uh, it was quite an eye opener. And when I came back from the the, reser- the reservation, I started studying California history and finding out uh, some of the terrible stories that occurred in the the genocide, the physical genocide that occurred in um, throughout the Americas, but was really um, particularly uh, awful with the um, American takeover of California instead of. Uh, putting the Native people to work, they pretty much killed them off as much as they could. So um, it, it was a, it was an eye-opener for me, absolutely. And so I became a, a supporter of the American Indian movement. I went to the um, pipe ceremonies for both longest walks that the uh, AIM people did in the 70s from um, San Francisco to D.C. and uh, took food, actually walked on part of the way with them. And so I, I had become very much uh, sensitized to Indigenous issues, sovereignty, you know, respect, uh, the changing of Columbus Day, the changing of the the mascot names, all of those things were issues that I felt very strongly about. And so when I left my job and decided I was going to go traveling, my first stop ended up being the uh, survival gathering in the Black Hills of uh, North Dakota that was run by the American Indian Movement. And that was a very powerful experience. Hearing people like uh, John Trudell, Russell Means, and some of the indigenous leaders of the American Indian Movement really deepened my understanding of history and also made me more aware of the need to heal from some of the wounds that we have all suffered.
0: Well, and John Trudell urged you to appreciate the uh, energy and power of the elements, the sun, the rain, the wind— and he encouraged you to understand the only true, real connection to power you will ever have is your relationship with Mother Earth.
1: Yes, yes. You know, that was another lesson that I learned uh, even deeper. Uh, I certainly sort of heard John and I understood a bit, but it was Dolores who really made us understand that Western civilization uh, deals in objects and in Eastern civilization, it was all about relationship. And indigenous people were all about relationship, relationship to our fellow humans, relationship to our fellow creatures, relationship to the environment around us, the rivers, the mountains, the rocks, all of it. um, Whirling in space as we are, we're part of one life energy. And so learning that and and really trying to uh, live that has been um, really the task I've taken on in my life.
0: And Trudell explains spiritual genocide. He he told you that for thousands of years, Western civilization has taught people not to respect the life that is the Earth.
1: Boy, and and, and that was, like I, I think I, I said when I wrote you, I think that was the, the defining moment for me when I came to the realization the years I'd spent uh, teaching or trying to learn uh, and then pass on this uh, Roman Catholic tradition of spirituality, institutional spirituality, when I I, I realized that we no longer had real sacraments. We had um, bread and wine that symbolized things and metaphors, but they weren't real. They weren't like the entheogens I took, that really did take you away. That really did open up visions of the divine. That really shattered your ego and made you open to the uh, world around you and, and the power and the, the life force in the stones, in the sky, um, in the water that flowed through the, the, the mountains and forests. So it, it, the, the creatures around us, the insects, the bird—all of it suddenly became marvelously animate. It was uh, what Dolores called deep ecology, but what really was the indigenous idea of animism, that everything is alive around us. And uh, it's funny because, you know, after studying quantum mechanics and understanding, you know, the physics better, you realize that everything is in motion. Everything has some sort of dynamic, whether you call it life or not. It, it's actually in movement, it actually has a relationship that bumps into the electrons around it. So, yeah, I was really impressed when I understood that genocide, which I always considered was something done to everybody else, and I was part of the privileged elite that that hadn't been subject, I, he suddenly made me, and I think a lot of us, realize that we had lost our deep connection to the natural world, and in so had lost our spiritual grounding. We no longer were grounded in spirituality. We were flying high in this sky god religion that told us about some future event that supposedly would be either good or bad for us, depending on how we behave. But it was all, as uh, as Harari says, with Sapiens, this marvelous book, it was an imagined reality that many of us believed in when really we had been stripped of our strong physical material connection to the world around us. And Because of that, we no longer valued it. We looked at at uh, the world as objects, as resources, as things we could use that were useful to humans instead of being innately valuable themselves to the web of life. And so it was really John Tradell's clarification of what genocide really was, both spiritual and physical, because so many of us at VISTA volunteers on the reservation were so attracted to indigenous spirituality because it was real, even if the reservations were poor, even if there was a lot of crime and, and bad behavior. Nevertheless, the, the deep spiritual roots of, of the culture was a, a, a huge eye-opener. And when, I, when when John explained that what we as European Americans had suffered was different but similar, both of them genocides, but our spiritual And indigenous people physical, um, it really helped me clarify what I had to do in my
0: life. Well, and he, he clarified for all white people that, from his perspective, we have no real connection to power.
1: You know, it was interesting because his idea of power, power in the people, and I love that energy of understanding that real power did not reside somewhere else with uh, guns and infrastructure and, uh, you know, bombs and, and power and laws and rules, how real power really resided in the natural world with with us, with the, the creatures around us, with the world around us, and that, you know, the power of a hurricane dwarfs so much of uh, human power. Uh, and we have to learn to live within its boundaries and respect it, not not just use the word, the very word "it" that we use, is a neutralification, an objectification of of, uh, of spirits and energies that you know the indigenous people consider alive. So, um, yeah, it was uh, really important to try and 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 understand um, how you can relate to living things and not just to things as objects.
0: So a, a tremendous. Transformation occurred inside you with this process, and particularly with what you heard from Trudell. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. It, would, it It kind of began to shape my life. So I, I started out expecting to live my life as a priest, as a someone giving service to others uh, by passing on a tradition that I was raised in, and. One of the wonderful things, as uh, Michael Pollan talks about in his book on entheogenic and psychedelic substances, is that they shatter your ego. They break down all those preconceptions, and then you have to build them back. I mean, reintegration is something people don't always talk about when they talk about entheogens, which is the word I like to use for uh, psychedelic substances, things that take you to God. Entheogen really means the God within, or taking you to God, and there is a real deep spiritual aspect to using entheogenic allies where you break down your world and then you reintegrate and find what is really true and what is really valuable for you. And so for me, the 60s was a process of doing that. And then in the 70s and 80s, when I moved out to Colorado, I moved my ideas into action. And I and I went from uh, uh, a person who was uh, looking to uh, make a nest and make a home for myself, to a person looking to serve the community, but not in the traditional way of priests, but rather in the way of building community, which is what Dolores always wanted us to do.
0: I'm going to weave in another dimension here. Many years ago, a friend in the East, Evan Pritchard of Micmac and Celtic lineage, told me, wisdom is power. Not a power to create or destroy, but only to sustain. (laughs) Still, it is a great power, the only one that does not corrupt. If you you have it, you can avoid complications.
1: There's a lot of truth to that. But like any saying, like any um, discrete, concrete object saying, uh, there's lots of... There's lots of nuances to that. Um, Gregory Bateson, who is one of uh, Dolores LaChapelle's favorite authors, talks about knowledge as a pattern that connects. And so uh, in order to form relationships, we need to understand the patterns that connect. So for me, wisdom is the, are, are the, are, are the, is, is the ability to do that, to see the patterns that connect us to the natural world, to our friends, to the larger society, to the universe. So, Understanding those patterns is the kind of wisdom that I find with indigenous people, um, oftentimes more so. Although, again, we're having some amazing people like Harari and other people, uh, uh, Donna Haraway, uh, doing amazing work in Ursula Gwynne, showing us aspects of our possible futures and giving us new ideas about how we can move into relationship both with the culture and our Incredible discoveries through the scientific method. Uh, You know, there's the the woman I I really am admiring these days is is, uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer. Right. He's a a biological scientist who respects and gives great honor to the scientific method. It isn't about rejecting it, it's, it's embracing it. But at the same time, she also embraces her indigenous wisdom. She's a Potawatomi elder, and she understands that. So, she embraces her emotions, she embraces the spirit world, and she also understands how to use science to have greater knowledge about the world around us and of the world within us. And so marrying those two, the marriage of heaven and earth, uh, the marriage of sun and moon, the marriage of ideas, of, of what we put into polarity, um, science and, and, uh, and uh, intuition— and, 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 and making both of those powerful and useful in one's life, that to me is the marriage that I think has a, has a real hope of taking us through these difficult times we're in.
0: Well, and the other thing that, that she weaves into that as she's braiding the science and the indigenous is the innate wisdom within the plants, and she listens to them as carefully as she does to her elders.
1: That's right. It's 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 a lot about listening. In fact, that's uh, that's been one of the great lessons I learned from being a poet is, is listening. A lot of us um, poetry is not a very popular uh, form right now. Song, which is kind of a poetry. I mean, poetry is really storytelling. And I, I love uh, the history of poetry. I love, uh, I go back to the Latin, the Greek, the Chinese, I, I, world literature. I love it all. I love the forms. I love the way it's said. But when you really go back in time and when you think about the fact that as a species, we've been around for 200,000 years, you realize, as Dolores would say, uh, don't trust the uh, wisdom um uh, Traditions of the last six, seven thousand years—those are really new. <laughs> uh, she would say, "Well, let's go back to the Paleolithic. Let's go back to storytelling. That's really where poetry, music, dance, theater—all of it comes from storytelling." And what we we've separated out the art. but I recently got back uh, enamored of uh, what my father used to love was listening to opera, and I and I started to to watch opera on the big screen with the translation uh, at the bottom so I can understand what's happening. And you realize the Western tradition of opera marries poetry and dance and theater and all of it. It, That's why many people consider it such high art, because it marries all those things. We, in turn, have separated them all out. We have our own little traditions. So it's really... Not usual for us to sit and listen to one person telling their story anymore. We want color, we want lights, we want action, we want dynamism, we want a film, we want a concert. But honestly, the the story told from the heart song from anyone that you know is powerful. the The story that a a, a storyteller tells you can be incredibly powerful. A poem by a by a poet who understands how to share their, their, their words is incredibly powerful. So, yes, thanks to the discipline of listening, which I learned through a crazy poet, Bard, from bard College, actually, in New York, who came out to San Francisco and had a, had a coffee house kind of, well, tea house kind of place where people would come off the street and tell us their heart songs. And major poets, uh, Michael McClure, you know, Robert Kelly, a lot of people would come and share their work as well. Right. And, and polished, beautiful poetry was wonderfully powerful and, and full of depth and allusion. And people's heart song, right from their heart, was almost as strong, almost as beautiful.
0: You're listening to a Living World Conversation with Art Good Times, talking about learning to heal relationships. So John Trudell explained, we really need to understand our connection to power real power because we're we confronted by people who deal in illusions and imitations people who tell us they're attempting to improve upon nature and they really want to keep us confused
1: <laughs> well power is uh, you know uh, uh, there is that the will to power i mean there are a lot of people have looked to power as one of the things as humans you know we tend to want to dominate uh, And as an oldest child, I was in a position of uh, power in the family. I was the one in charge of my brothers. And so I had an early taste of power and, uh, of course, used it and misused it and and didn't understand it so well. So when I got older, I actually, uh, after a, a long apprenticeship living in Telluride, I actually chose to get involved in politics to really understand power. And I was a little... Honestly, I was a little concerned for myself, I did it, because I wanted to understand what would be my relationship. Would power corrupt me, or could I use power well? Could, is power, are you able to work with power and make it something that benefits people? Or are, do you find yourself benefiting yourself and your friends first, and then maybe helping others, and maybe not? And so that, to me, was the challenge uh, that I took on when, when I had the hubris to... To, to step into the political ring and and I I'm, I'm proud that I found that I could be corrupted and I found that I I chose not to be and uh, and I and I saw what I saw around me was most people chose not to be even people uh, with very different uh, opinions it's unfortunate now that see less of that kind of energy people understanding power and I think it's because They haven't healed themselves. I mean, what John Trudell told us and and other people is is that until America comes to terms with its spiritual genocide for for ourselves and for the physical genocide we inflicted on others, we're never going to be at peace. We're never going to heal. We're always going to be at war. It's going to be the forever war that we've seen brought upon us these days. So, yes, what those of us who are cultural workers— and who uh, understand uh, what's happening in the world, who have followed people like Kimmerer, who have who have tried to understand indigenous wisdom, because we ourselves are not indigenous, and although we are. As as my poet friend would say, "All power to the paradox." We were born here, so we are indigenous to this place. We do we were we part of a tribal society? No, we lost our tribes in Europe. We came here without them. So it's a it's a it's a real challenge to listen to people on all sides of debate. To listen to the indigenous people. To try and come to some sort of balance within ourselves in our relationships to those around us, to the world, to, to, power, uh, to, uh, to the power, to to the the great challenge of of living in a time of huge change.
0: So. That's the first time I've ever heard you say that when you took the step in the politics and were elected a county commissioner, you saw most of the people around you were not seduced by power?
1: Not really. I saw, and, and this is what really amazed me, was that on the local level, I was a county commissioner, a county supervisor. Right. In Texas, they called them judges. But uh, actually the majority of people that I met were were really intending to help their community in whatever way they thought. If they were supporting oil and gas development, it was because, like Rio Blanco County when I was a commissioner, sixty percent of their budget was dependent on oil and gas revenues. If they if they lost their oil and gas because we closed it down for environmental reasons, they would lose more than half of their county government. <laughs> That was a huge revelation. Did it mean that I was supportive of oil and gas development? No. Did it mean I understood why they were? Yes. And when I understood that they did not have evil intentions to ruin the world, then I could work with them to try to mitigate, to try to make compromises, which is the way our government works. We try to, and, and and this is something I found really powerful from my seminary training in Latin. When I understood that compromise, the word itself, is from mid to send, com, which means with, and pro, which means towards. So a compromise is sending something forward with the help of others. And that's our political system. When I was an Earth-first ra- radical activist for 10 years, our, our motto was no compromise in defense of Mother Earth. That sounds wonderful, but what it means is you're not working with anyone. So you really don't get a lot done. You make a lot of noise. You maybe wake some people up and you probably turn a lot off, but you don't get much done. And so I found that a lot of people in the local government were willing to to work together to make things done. And I think it's partly because unlike mayors, unlike governors, unlike um, presidents, uh, you had to work with two other people. You didn't have 50 people to work with. You had two other people. And you're, you had three to five people in your in your county government, and so you were always having to to, to work with someone to make anything happen. And if if you were lucky, uh, your your other two commissioners were on the same side as you. If you weren't, you were always in conflict with someone who disagreed with you all the time. And uh, that was very interesting. I think it makes it humbling, and so that you don't get this. Egotistical idea that you can change things. It isn't about you changing; it's about you convincing others and working together to pull something forward.
0: Art, we're uh, we're out of time. Yeah. Um, oh golly! Would you uh, be willing to talk with us again? And and I want to get. I had an objective I want to get to in our conversation. Mm. You've been listening to Art Good Times. Explain his transformation and learning as he stepped into a political career in San Miguel County as a county commissioner. This is Katie Thank you for listening.